You're listening to the Pride On podcast from the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network. Pride events in towns and cities across the UK have been put on hold this year due to the coronavirus pandemic. But just because those events aren't taking place, that doesn't mean we can't take pride in who we are. And on this podcast, you'll hear from inspiring LGBT plus civil servants and allies talking about their identities and what pride means to them. I'm John Peart. I'm a former vice chair of the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network, and on this episode, I'll be chatting to the network's current chair, Kate Hughes. We'll be talking about how the work of the network is changing in the pandemic and the value of the civil service taking part in Pride activities each year. Hi, Kate. Thanks for joining us on the Pride On podcast. Pleasure. It's really good to be doing this. And I'm really pleased that we've managed to actually get something happening this year for Pride because it looked like it was going to be a complete washout in the best summer we've had for years. So we all know that you are the chair of the Civil Service LGBT Network, but what we probably don't know about you is what you do outside of that. So um, do you want to tell us a bit about where you work in the Civil Service, what you do, what your background is? So at the moment, I'm working in civil service employee policy, which is part of civil service HR. Uh, And I am part of the uh, COVID-19 CSEP hub. Uh, So that's what I'm doing at the moment. But my background has been across a range of things, mostly around HR and diversity and inclusion. So how have you been coping with the lockdown and social distancing measures? Um, Has that particularly affected you um, in your kind of LGBT identity as much as anything else? Are you kind of sheltering with anybody else? So I live on my own, um, which means that when we went into lockdown, I was like, great, I get a bit of introvert peace and quiet. And then a few days later, I was like, oh, I'm not quite such an introvert as I thought. I actually I did need people around me. so it's it's been an interesting learning curve about myself, actually. For those people that don't know, the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network is the national representative organisation for LGBT plus civil servants, uh, as the name implies. And actually, Kate, most of the work that the network does is nationally based, despite the fact that volunteers are um, kind of spread all the way across the country. So actually... This isn't really that different from the kind of activity that people would be doing outside of the lockdown and pandemic, is it? Uh, No, not that different at all. Um, I think the key difference is because everything has moved to being online. Well, it's, it's not at all location based anymore. So people are able to drop into whatever they want to drop into and not being kind of constrained by that conference in Exeter sounds really interesting, but I'm based in Newcastle and I can't justify the time and money to go down to do it. All of those barriers are now removed, which has made it a lot easier to get people to connect and to get those ideas happening and bouncing across like the whole of the network. And it's it's given us a chance to just, you know, before we've always had problems with kind of intersectionality and getting people to come along to our events. But I think people are finding that a lot easier because it's not it's not about physically walking into a room anymore. You know, you can be on a conference call and nobody knows what you look like 
or you know what your background is you can do the quiz and have your camera switched off so you don't have to do that kind of that difficulty of walking into a crowded pub and finding the group of civil servants that are being as discreet as possible because some of them aren't out or they don't necessarily want everyone to know in the pub that they are civil servants that kind of thing makes the socializing aspect a lot easier and what do you hope that the network kind of takes away from this period because you know social distancing measures and all those kinds of things are not going to last forever hopefully I suppose there's a temptation in many walks of life but the network is one example to just revert back to type immediately so you know the the civil service LGBT plus network started what a decade ago now uh, are predominantly focused around social activities for LGBT civil servants based in London and there was basically just a monthly drinks event in a local bar in Soho there's probably a temptation to get back to that kind of activity as quickly as possible. What what do you hope that the network will take away from this situation that it will be able to use going forward and that will provide a kind of consistent basis for future activity? Um, I'm hoping that actually people start to recognise other people from their own locations in things like the quiz and in some of the Pride On events and start to make those connections that they wouldn't otherwise have done. We've got good connections with like nominated, self-nominated admittedly, but nominated volunteers out in the various regions. Actually, I think what this will hopefully create and what I would like to be maintained afterwards is much more of a net-based network. So people not necessarily being restricted to networking in their location or with people in their own department and starting to make those connections on a much more kind of granular level and not being restricted by where they are based, for example. So starting to look at maybe kind of networking within um, particular professions, possibly, um, enabling things like uh, mentoring and coaching, which we've always tried to kind of create something that would allow LGBT plus civil servants to work together to do mentoring and um, and coaching with somebody else that understands the issues from the first person perspective. Um, But that's always been really hard to do because quite often people would be looking for somebody within their profession and then trying to get those relationships set up over a distance has always been really quite difficult. But I think actually because we've had to just dive in with that stuff in the last few months we've all got a lot better at it because we've had to do it there's been no alternative it's kind of ironic isn't it that the things that the network has been trying to do for what must be at least three or four years since we've started talking about things like uh, buddying schemes and mentoring schemes across the network and the barriers to some of those activities have traditionally been that we didn't have available the technology within departments to connect people up and those kinds of things. It's kind of ironic that it's taken a pandemic to get exactly the kind of stuff going that you would want uh, in normal times, let alone in a pandemic. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I think the way that the civil service works is going to drastically change as a result of this, not necessarily in kind of an increase in you know, homeworking, but in terms of how departments work with each other and how much better they get at bridging those technical divides, what what the civil service is going to hopefully end up with will be a much richer portfolio of engagement 
options with civil servants? Basically every year for the last, what, 10 years now, the civil service has had some kind of physical presence at Pride events across the country. So last year in Pride in London, we had, I think it was about 200 people that were in the parade that were civil servants or wider public sector workers. And we took part in, I think it was about a dozen different Pride events in various smaller towns and cities across the country. What is it you think that the civil service will miss as a result of not being able to take part in those activities this year? For me, I'll miss the energy um, and the chance to just really kind of catch up with people. So, you know, you you will know this, but people who are listening won't um, necessarily. But when you do a Pride parade, you spend quite a bit of time at the start hanging around. It's a really good chance to actually spend like a couple of hours just chatting with people that you don't often get to see which is really nice and personally I'll miss that and I think actually the civil service will miss that in a way that it probably won't recognize I think it's a shame that we will miss out on that but I'm really hoping that the pride on stuff that the network is organizing will capture some of that stuff and it's the best opportunity for the civil service to demonstrate just how good an employer we are for LGBT plus people. And we are a very good employer for LGBT plus people. Last year, I think we really, really demonstrated that by the feedback that we got from the people that were on the various different parades, the fact that we hit every single capital city within the UK. It was fantastic. And to not be able to do that this year is a shame, but hopefully we'll be able to do it next year. You know, hopefully next year we'll be back with an even bigger bang. Just, yeah. So if this was a normal year, people probably don't understand the kind of scale of activities that the Civil Service LGBT plus network would be involved in, in terms of the organisation of prides across the country. So uh, it's probably just worth us talking about that for a few minutes, isn't it? Like, what is it normally that we would be doing at this time of year to get people ready for pride, Kate? Uh, So normally... um... We would be buried under a pile of T-shirts that we would be trying to stuff into envelopes to send out to the various different locations, Um, frantically trying to identify whether or not we had actually had a response from at least three different prides around where we were in the parade, so we could therefore organise what time we needed to get people to meet up and where. Probably still trying to find a volunteer for at least one parade to be the contact point to definitely be at the meeting point 10 minutes before everybody else so that there weren't people just randomly wandering around in a pink t-shirt looking for others in a pink t-shirt and fairly soon trying to figure out how we were going to persuade people to be wheel walkers for London because whilst it's a fabulous job you do have to spend a hell of a lot of time standing next to a lorry um, and you need a good book with you. For us, the planning for Pride would normally start in January, wouldn't it? Kind of thinking about which Prides are we going to do, thinking about business cases that we need to make in order to get funding to pay for various different bits. Um, It really is a huge effort across the entire civil service, isn't it? It is, yes. And I think it's one of the things that actually demonstrates just how well the civil service can work collaboratively when we do. For those that don't know, the LGBT plus network doesn't have a budget. Um, It's run entirely by volunteers. So... If we want to do Pride, uh, we have to go and ask for the money that is required to do it. But when you're an organisation that doesn't have a budget, that does mean that you have to start thinking about things a lot earlier than you would expect. You almost start as the last Pride finishes in the previous year because you're thinking, you know, what went well? What didn't go so well? 
What do we wish we had or hadn't done? How can we change it next year? You know, what do we need to keep? Where can we tweak things? You know, last year was the first year where we had actually got coordinated funding across the whole of the civil service to make sure that there was one entry for the civil service and we didn't have different departments paying the same entry fee to enter the same parade in slightly different places. Um, And I think that was a real game changer, actually. And some people will say that that kind of investment is uh, frivolous and superfluous spending of, of, of money. What do you think it is that is actually the benefit of having those those presences in various parades? Because I mean, if you if you look at it on the on the pure numbers, there's probably what ten to twenty thousand people at most in the civil service that might identify as LGBT or or something else. But in reality, the, the numbers of people that take part in pride events is is pretty small compared to that. It's probably a, a, a max, probably about a thousand from the civil service in terms of people that are in the parades. So what do you think is the kind of value for money proposition, if you want to put it crudely like that, that makes that spending of, of money worthwhile at all? Why do we spend so much time investing all of our efforts and energies and volunteering time for six months just for a few hours on one Saturday in, in the middle of June? So I think there's, there's two key benefits, really. Um, one is internal and one is external. Externally, we get to engage with the communities that we serve, uh, which I think is a key part of any public sector role. It's making sure that actually what you do adds value to, to your community by going out and demonstrating that there are people like you inside the civil service doing the jobs. You know, that proves that actually we are thinking about the needs of LGBT plus people when we're writing policies. We are looking at actually what are those effects and understanding them, not just looking at them, but understanding them from the first person perspective, which makes the policies that we write as a civil service much more likely to be effective and to be successful. And from an internal perspective, as the civil service, our greatest resource and our greatest outlay is our people. If those civil servants doing the work aren't engaged, then they're not going to be as effective as they could be. They're not going to go the extra mile when we need them to. They're not going to think outside the box as freely and as readily as we would like them to. Pride goes a long way towards creating that engagement for our LGBT staff because they feel like they're being invested in. And there is something where they can come together and be with other people that are like them and that helps them to bring their whole self to work and if they bring their whole self to work then they are going to be working much better because they're not using up brain bandwidth hiding who they are that's incredibly valuable for an organization as large as the civil service yeah i mean i guess the, for me the business case around investing money in pride events has always been that actually it helps people to bring their whole selves to work as you say and if we can do that for you know couple of thousand pounds then actually that is a a huge return on that investment from a a kind of wider organizational perspective particularly when we can make that so visible that it kind of spans kind of the entire civil service in terms of the messaging yeah definitely you know particularly for the smaller departments that's really really helpful because it helps people to feel as though they're not the only gay in the department in their location you know even if they are the only gay in their department in their location because they're based in a small office that there are other people that are in the civil service that are close by that will understand some of the challenges that they face and that can be so empowering and so as we turn to think about what is going to go on in the civil service this year for pride uh we're 
we've got all sorts of activities planned. I know there are kind of uh, online baking courses that people are preparing. Um, there's obviously this podcast only exists because there's no physical pride uh, events happening. And so we've kind of tried to think of other ways of engaging people. What's the kind of thing that you would really hope people take away from the pride on activities that are going on this year that they can really take back into their workplace and uh, share with everybody um, more widely? I think actually it's the pride in them. So pride in the fact that we've got such a thriving community within the civil service of LGBT plus civil servants and that actually, you know, despite all the challenges that we've all got at the moment, I think it would be really good if we can hang on to that even once life has gone back to normal, if it ever does go back to what we thought of as normal. Yeah, so I think that's really important that people take away this general message that there's lots of stuff that we can still be doing to connect, even in these really difficult circumstances. And I guess that's really something that we should be thinking about more broadly, isn't it? So what would you say to people that were thinking about stepping up in their own office or stepping up from their own home office in this instance, to try and take charge of something and lead something and make lives better for people in their workplace that are LGBT? Yeah, it doesn't matter who it is that is organising this stuff. Um, what matters is that it gets organised. And, you know, yes, we've got a great team of chair and vice chairs and we've all got a lot of energy, but we only have so many hours in the day. And if you want to see something happening, then talk to us and we'll help you to make it happen. We can't do everything ourselves, but with your ideas and our resources, then almost anything is possible as long as it doesn't contravene the civil service code. <laughs> a, a good a good mantra to live your entire life by. And on that note, thank you, Kate, for taking part in this podcast. And we will no doubt see each other once the lockdown is lifted. I really hope so, because I've missed people. That's it for this episode of the Pride On podcast. Thank you to Kate for her time. If you're not already, you can subscribe to this podcast on all your favourite podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find out more about the Civil Service LGBT Plus Network on our website at civilservice.lgbt and add slash pride for all the latest information about this year's pride activities. And of course, you can follow us at CSLGBT on Twitter at Civil Service LGBT on Instagram and visit facebook.com slash civil service LGBT for all the latest updates. Until next time, thanks for listening.